Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, uh, back in our series on ecclesiology, and we're going to talk a little bit more, uh, part three, about the work of the Holy Spirit and unpack spiritual gifts and a number of things. But before we do that, I, I just want to touch base, uh, uh, remind our listeners that we are a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. So uh, check out, lot. there are lots of great podcasts, um, like the Reformed Brotherhood, Distilling Theology, um, Christ in context. Yeah. I mean, there's, we're, we're constantly adding to the team. I mean, every time I turn around, we got a new really good podcast. Um, and it's got all a plethora of sort of things. If you want to go deep in your systematic theology, there's podcasts for you. If you need practical application, there's podcasts for you. Um, those, uh, the brothers there, uh, in the society are really good. And you can actually, if you go to society of reform podcasters, uh, you can, wherever you listen to podcasts, download that particular feed, yeah, that feed. feed and you get everything in one podcast. Right. So you don't have to download the each individual mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very cool. So uh, be sure and check out some of the other great shows. We'll put a link in the show notes to, uh, to the, to the society's website. And also assurance of pardon is sponsored by our friends at logos Bible software, which is an amazing tool for studying the Bible that is uh, Windows, it is Mac, it is Android, it is iPhone, uh, it is iPad, N- an enormous number of tools for original languages study, syncing uh, all of your commentaries together. And we have a special offer for Assurance of Pardon listeners. If you go to assuranceofpardon.com slash logos, you can get a special price on your software purchase and five free eBooks. So go to assuranceofpardon.com slash logos to learn more about Logos Bible software. Yes, Scott, I was actually talking to Blake uh, Cartwright was distilling theology uh, earlier this week. And one of the things we talked about with Logos is uh, the mobile app. Like the benefit that if once you buy the program, even if you don't buy the program, you can download the app and it has a plethora of resources for free anyway. But if you get, uh, you know, reformed silver or you decide to get something that's more Baptistic or whatever tradition you're from, um, you get the package that works for you. And then let's say you're wanting to study or you want to look up a word or you're spending some time in a coffee shop and you don't have your laptop with you. I mean, you honestly can just pull up a lot of resources straight from the app. Um, and it, so you can, you've got almost an entire library in your pocket on, on the go. That's really cool. Yeah. Check out logos Bible software. They've got, um, um, it, it will help you make the most of your time in the scriptures and your time studying commentaries. Um, check it out today. What are we talking about today, Gage? Yeah. So, you know, we spent a couple of weeks talking about, 
the doctrine of the Holy Spirit yourself. You may say, guys, you're in you're in ecclesiology. This is pneumatology or the doctrine of the Spirit. Um, did you get off somewhere? But actually, I think it's important in this conversation as we talk about how the church functions and what the church is and how the church operates and how we do life together uh, as the church to talk about the work of the spirit, because there's so much that the spirit is doing and equipping us in uh, as we um, are together and gathering together uh, that affects the DNA of the church. Right, Scott? And so um, this week where we're going to kind of pivot away from talking about the spirit specifically, um, we're going to spend some time today, and I want to kind of dive into this conversation um, in thinking through spiritual gifts, right? So um, this is a big deal in the church. If you've been involved in church and been a Christian for any amount of time, um, it's not long before you start hearing someone say, well, what are you, what's your spiritual gift or what do you feel, feel like um, – you want to get involved with in serving the church or what do you feel like you're, or you'll hear the phrase, what do you feel like you're gifted in? Right. Um, and you may hear that in the membership interview. You may hear that just in conversation. And before long, if you're not careful, this kind of goes back to our conversation about, you know, are you filled with the spirit or are you, are you preaching a full gospel? If you're not careful, the conversation can quickly pendulum swing into a, to an inadequacy feeling, right? To where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to figure this out. Oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm supposed to have the, the gifts, right? Um, and I think um, it's important for us to kind of get some grounding around what is this? What do the scriptures say about spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? How should we think about them? How do I know? what I have. Um, I think the first thing we start with, I think this is super, super, super important, um, is that every single Christian has the Holy Spirit, right? Right. At at conversion, you know, we talk about, and you may have heard if you've spent any time in Reformed theology, you know, the golden chain of of salvation or the many, many aspects of things that go involved with salvation, regeneration, conversion, faith, repentance, things like that. Part of that is at the moment that you became a Christian, that, that the spirit made you alive after being dead in your trespasses and sins, the spirit changed your heart of stone, gave you a heart of flesh, and then resided with you, right? We we read last week how um, Jesus promised the comforter. And one of the things he promises in the gospel of John is that the, the father and the son would come make their home with the believer. Well, how does that happen? That happens through the spirit, through the spirit residing in you. And then that's how the spirit does a number of different things, helps you to understand the scriptures, convicts you of sin, uh, pushes you to do do different things like, you know, that time that you feel like, man, I really need to share the gospel with my neighbor. That was the spirit, right? Or, um, you know, the spirit awakens you to realize the your need to come along someone in the church and sit with them and care for them and befriend them, things like that. And as a believer, you start to kind of grow in this maturity, right? You start to kind of figure out what am I doing here, how does this function? What does the life of the Christian look like? And I think this conversation around spiritual gifts um, is a helpful place to, to start. Scott, what do you do? You agree? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about these things that if anybody grew up in, in broader evangelicalism in the 90s, the spiritual gifts assessment, which is sort of a Christian Myers-Briggs sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I remember I remember seeing those, hearing those, people talking about those. And the, the unfortunate thing about them, and I want to hear your thoughts on it, Gage, is that when you begin to say that I discern my spiritual gifts by taking a pre-printed quiz, then you've you've introduced a tool for discerning spiritual gifts that the church didn't have for a really long time. That right. that that we don't see in scripture. And right. and um yeah it's 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 just talk about why those those uh those assessments, those personality exams are problematic. I think they come from a from a um well intended place, right? I mean, you know, we, I, I was in the, the business world for a long time before being in full-time vocational ministry, right? And one of the things we would talk about in marketing is understanding the type of person that your client is so that you could communicate well to them, right? So I think at, at some base level, I want to give grace. I want to give benefit of the doubt here that people want to know how they, what personality type they are, how they function, how they're wired, what their makeup is, where they come from even so they can understand themselves better and understand other people better. So we can get along better. That's the intention, right? That's why you'll hear people say, well, I'm an ENFJ or I'm an INFP or, or I'm a three on the Enneagram or whatever the case may be. Like the intention is I want to know myself better so I can understand how I click and I want to understand my, my friend better so I can communicate with them and, and I can understand how they function. We then carry that kind of outside cultural mentality into the church with a spiritual gift survey. And then it becomes like, and I don't think they do these anymore, but when I was in high school, even in like ninth grade, I can remember take in career orientation class, having to take these career, this you know, bubble test and it would tell you, you're going to be a plumber or you're going to, you should be a administrator or you should be a teacher or whatever the case may be. Right. And it was, you took the test and it tells you what's happening. And I think we do the same thing with spiritual gifts, partially because we don't understand how the scripture and the spirit functions. Right. Um, Just like, we don't, we struggle in Bible study and we start to feel inadequate when it feels like other people have this secret knowledge or they have this thing figured out. We start to do the same thing where we don't want to have to spend any time reflecting inward. We just want to take the test and God tell us what's happening, right? It's the same thing with discerning the will of God. Uh, we want, we want God just to tell us, you know, can I get the neon sign that says you're supposed to marry this person, take this job, move to this city and do this thing. I don't want to have to try to wrestle with this and just do something and let, let our resting in Christ be enough. Right. And I think the gifts category starts to kind of come into this conversation. So you take the test and it's telling you, well, your spiritual gifts you're prophetic or you're an encourage, encourager 
And you think to yourself, this person is the embodiment of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. There's no way in the world they actually naturally are encouragers when every time you talk to them, the sky is falling. Like they have chicken little theology, right? Or, you know, they'll say, well, um, I have the gift of prophecy. And you're like, "Mm, yeah, but they couldn't preach their way out of a wet paper sack, right? Uh, and, and, and so that's, that's the sort of thing that, that, that you start to roll into a, a, a functional problem when you're trying to just kind of uh, calculate the spirit as if you can plug in the, the data and the spirit just generate this report about yourself. Yeah, and the, the truth is the way, that, the way that these spiritual gifts manifest themselves, the way that the, the, the means by which, by which we learn um, what our gifting may be, doesn't come through a written exam. It comes through uh, elders and leaders in the church witnessing these characteristics in me and and affirming that. I think you are really uh, you're a very, very skilled teacher, right? i've heard I've heard things that you say in Sunday school, and I, I'm, I really think that I really think that you need to lean into that gifting more and more. But those things happen in community because the the spirit talked for us a little bit about how the spiritual gifts exist for the good of the local church, for the good of the community. They're not just superpowers that I have, but they they're given to the purpose for the purpose of building up the local church and they're recognized and affirmed and called out through the ministry of the local mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. So I think a helpful place, you know, let's, let's see, what do the scriptures say about this? Well, um, Scott, and incidentally to pull this up, I'm using, using my Logos Bible software for this shameless plug there, but um, a good place to start in this conversation, I think is with Ephesians chapter four, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I actually like to just briefly touch on the first six verses because really the gifts don't actually, the, the topic of the gifts doesn't come in, into play until verse seven. But at the beginning of chapter four, Paul in writing this letter, you know, he, he spent this time laying out the, the indicatives, right? Like he's, he's laying out who God is, what Christ has done, what salvation means for us. And now he's going to transition in the letter into the imperatives. So, so what? So how do I live? And he, and he talks about walking in a manner worthy of your calling and being humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another. That's communal language. You can't, right. you can't bear with one another alone, right? right. You, can't, you can't bear with one another by yourself watching the live stream with you and, your, you and Jesus and your, your own thing going. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then he tells you there's one body, one spirit. You're called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father in all, who's over all and through all and in all. Then he says, verse 7, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Let me stop there for a second. It's important to think about your spiritual gifts as grace being given to you, because that's how the scriptures talk about it. Mm. And that's important. And then he says, and he pulls from the Old Testament, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now here, Paul is pulling from the Old Testament, pulling from the Psalms, 
Psalm 68 to be exact. And as he's doing so, the psalmist paints this picture of this warrior that has won a war, won a battle, won the victory. And now the spoils that he receives, he gets from winning the war. But then Paul kind of turns that whole idea of spoils on its head and says, hey, guess what? We are the spoils that Christ receives for winning the victory of, of raising from the dead, from defeating death, hell, sin, and the grave. And that as he leads a host of captives, he gives gifts. He then, because he's gracious, because he's a good king, not because we deserve it, but because he loves you, he shares his spoils with you. And part of the spoils that he shares with you are these giftings, right? And he says, he is, you know, in saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. So he's talking about the idea of, of Christ coming, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. And then he goes on and says, verse 11, and then he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So we know we talked about this before in our conversation, the miraculous gifts, that the, the foundation of the church, and he talks about this in Ephesians chapter three, the, the church's foundation comes from, the church's foundation comes from the apostles and the prophets, right? right? Like Christ is the cornerstone, but how we understand our, our theology is coming from the prophets and the apostles. But then we have shepherds, teachers. Some people put that together, evangelists. And what are they given for? They're given to the body. Let's keep going. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, and that that matters because that tells you something really, really huge. And we'll get into an entire episode coming up on the role of the pastor. But it does tell you that this the shepherd teachers in your life, they're there not so they can do all the ministry, right? Like, right. Scott, you, you and I aren't paid so we can do all the ministry, right? We're actually paid so that we can, one, proclaim the gospel to you, but two so that we can equip you church member for the work of ministry. That means that we believe that every single person in the church has the Holy spirit and therefore has giftings that are needed for the body to be built up, to be encouraged. And it goes on and sent, and I won't read all the, the text there in four, but it goes on to say that it's for the maturity so that we can grow as a body, so that we can mature in our faith, and so that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, doctrine and human coming, cunning and deceitful schemes. Meaning that, you know, when QAnon shows up, or when woke theology shows up, or when CRT shows up, or whatever the case may be, that we can't, we don't have to, you know, Ring, clutch our pearls and wring our hands and go, this is going to be the thing that destroys the church. Why? Because we have the scriptures, the apostles and the prophets, and we have the shepherd teachers that are going to mature us and keep our eyes on the prize, keep us resting in Christ, Amen. keeping us to remember the gospel. And if we're building up one another and caring about how can I use the gifts in the way that I'm naturally wired and made in the image of God for the benefit of my brother and sister um, so they, they can grow. If I'm doing that, then that starts to happen. 
Amen. I, I, I hope that as, as our listeners are hearing this, especially if, if the Reformed faith is, first of all, I hope that as, as, as Gage is, is unpacking what's said in the first part of Ephesians chapter four, that you see that this, we're not just pulling this out of thin air. We've not concocted this doctrine of the, the work of the spirit. Um, but, the, the, but we're drawing it directly from the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, and I'll say this just by way of encouragement and, and study. Um, and if, you know, we may pick this up in a, in a future episode as well. Um, th- there's other lists to look at first Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians four gives a list. These things aren't exhaustive, but they are, they do give you a category for how to think about the giftings. Mm-hmm. The other, the other thing I would tell you is, and Scott mentioned this, listen to your pastors. What are the leaders in your life affirming in you? The other thing is think about how you're naturally wired. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're by vocation a teacher and you're really good at teaching people things, guess what you should probably be doing in the church? You should probably be teaching. If if you're a really talented gifted musician and you can sing and you understand the purpose of worship, guess what you should probably be doing in the church? Like it doesn't have to be super crazy complicated. You shouldn't be having to do things outside of who you are to try to figure out this is my spiritual gift. The other thing I would, I would say for the encouragement is, and this could be a whole episode itself. How are you using your time? If your time is so occupied by 17 different other activities that you don't have any time to actually give to the church. Hey, guess what that means? That means we're lacking. That means you're lacking. The church is not benefiting from your presence. It's actually missing your gifting. <clears throat> so think about how your life is wired. If you never have time to actually give to your brothers and sisters, maybe that's that's something we you should spend some time reevaluating because that may be why you're struggling with trying to figure out your spiritual gifts. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I've told this to people a lot um, is uh, come to church, not, not just for what you can gain, but come to church because the, the body needs your gifts and talents and abilities that the, the, that the spirit has poured into you. And so church is not just a place where you come as a consumer but it's a place where you are able to use your gifts for the good of the body of Christ. Absolutely. Well, we hope this is a helpful introduction to thinking through spiritual gifts. And we, you know, whatever your background is, we'd love to hear from you. Whatever questions you have, uh, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can always email us at contact at assurance We'd love to hear from you. You know, what, what is your background? What, what are some things you were told about spiritual gifts um, that actually you've come to find aren't actually helpful as you've matured and as you've grown in the faith um, together. And we'd love to help walk through that with you. Um, we also would quickly um, encourage you to, we've mentioned before, to check out our buddies at Reformed, uh, the Reformed Society Reform podcast. Be sure to visit our website for the special on the Logos Bible software. And you can actually dig into spiritual gifts through using that software and you can do a deeper study. And until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.